Please listen carefully. I need to throw this in that apparently Anna Kendrick is bad. Uh, I eat terrible. And for more information, follow the Demois Instagram account because that's where people drop anonymous celebrity hot gossip. What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. My name is Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, Instead of picking a sort of like general theme that we like sort of find a book to fit in, uh, not last month, but the month before, in September, uh, we came across this Twitter thread on our Twitter, EatsCast, always be plugging, um, from a media critic and writer and a disability advocate uh, named Fati The Street. That's her Twitter handle. Uh, That's F-A-A-T-I The Street. And she sort of put together this new trope or a trope that exists and sort of came up with a name for it called the silencing of the shrew and the idea is it's um centered mostly around women of color femmes of color particularly asian women quite a bit tend to fall into this trope who for seemingly no reason at all can't or don't communicate with the main cast which is mostly taken up by white characters um there's this great twitter thread that we'll link to on our twitter and we'll link you to hers where she and a bunch of other people put a bunch of examples of different characters from different movies, TV shows, and even some books that sort of hit this theme. Um, like a great example, even though it's not necessarily a woman of color, is actually Ben from the Umbrella Academy, where like, yes, there's technically the thin veneer of like a reason as to why he can't speak, but you know, he spends the first season, he was a very lovable character, he has like three lines, why is that? Um, but the, what she focuses on and sort of the main crux of this was around a character from The Boys, Kimoko. Uh, we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to my pick, because spoiler alert, I've picked this one. Uh, it was such a great thing because I have a real issue with The Boys, and mostly I've just been wanting to complain about them for a long time anyway. But this trope and the use of it really hit the nail on the head of why I don't like The Boys, but it also opened up this topic. And I really found it interesting to watch unfold because I do think it's kind of like watching, you know, if you were on Twitter however many years ago on Roxanne Gay's Twitter when she sort of really launched the idea of fridging and created the term for it and said, hey, look at all of these female characters who are murdered just to advance a man's storyline. And I think we're seeing the same thing with that. I think not a lot of people have picked up this yet, but I don't think it'll be surprising to two years from now see a Vulture article about why are there all these Asian women characters that don't speak? Um, And maybe they'll have the presence of mind to actually credit this woman's Twitter. but again, which is Fatty the Street. Her Venmo is also Fatty and we'll like, uh, we'll show a couple of links and stuff like that so you can help support her and so you can also take a look because it was definitely a really interesting thought. And so what we decided to do today is each one of us is gonna pick an example of this trope in a piece of media that like we, we probably even maybe enjoy or whether we do or not, but where this trope has been used and where it's particularly like egregious and worth commenting on. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about that. So, Steph, take us away. Uh, so when I read the thread, the movie that stuck out to me was Pitch Perfect. And if you don't know what Pitch Perfect is about, it is about an acapella group, the Barton Bellas, and their their journey to destiny, to championship, to being winners. And so this group is comprised of a lot of different type of women. One of them being, there's one Asian woman, her name is Lily, played by Hannah Mae Lee. And for some reason, looking back now, she doesn't really speak to anyone that people can hear only in one, like at the conclusion of the movie, she has this one line that everyone hears. But every time she says something in the movie, during the whole course of the movie, it's very quiet. And it's only, the camera only focuses on her face. So you never see someone listening to her. You never see people interacting with her. It's really only her, a close-up shot of her face and her 
quietly saying something. And thinking back now, I don't really know why they made that choice. Uh, specifically in comedy, this happens a lot. They'll like pick a person that's really quiet and then at the end of the movie, they'll somehow say something really loud and I'm using like quotes that everyone can hear. And like that to me is a weird choice because I don't know why that's considered funny. Do you guys think that's funny? I Or like, why do you think that people have thought that was funny in the past? So w- what's really weird about this one is that I think because it's about singing it that's the angle they were going for but the fact that it's it happens in other comedies kind of negates that you know what i mean like it's just like it just feels like a common thing that they do a lot of the time when you don't really know like somebody no one can hear singing beatboxing specifically the most important part of acapella yeah. is it's the beat of the song like truly a weird choice yeah it's odd and again so another comedy that uses it and this is one of the examples of the thread was in house bunny which again that's like a movie i've generally thought was surprisingly funny i remember liking it um there's another character hilariously also named lily uh but she's a black woman and her for her the reasoning behind is that she's very shy so she barely speaks when she does speak she whispers to someone she trusts and that white woman gives their her thoughts instead and it's one of those things where like in pitch perfect i can remember kind of laughing like, I can remember being like, oh, it's like she has those weird moments where she, for some reason, she's always, they close up in our face, she's looking at the camera, and then there'll be a joke about how, like, she ate her twin in the womb, and she's just this very, like, odd character. But it, it is, it's very, when you think back, you're like, actually, it is really weird, because why is she like that? Like, why was, why was mm-hmm. any of that assigned to that character? And you definitely get the idea of, particularly because a, a lot of times it is Asian women, there's this idea of, like, a meekness. Uh, a like a silent stoicness of them um that i think comes from a lot of like western and white people in particular having very like misconceptions and uh stereotypes about asian women and in a comedy form this is how it's kind of translating and it's weird when you see this particularly when you see how many examples there were of it and you're like so this is supposed to be funny but again you're right like she's a beatboxer that was the whole point of her she never has a line that you can actually hear or that anyone else if it wasn't for subtitles like yeah they make jokes all the time about how they actually can't hear her at all she just exists so like on the opposite end is it i guess like this is more of like a question to all of us that we can maybe think about is it like more common for black women in comedies especially to be the loud one then like is that the common trope and then so like when a black woman is made quiet is that different than the usual like it's such a fine line because i do find like you were saying it's more about asian women for sure i do see that as a common thing like the the nature of it is more like the person that wrote that character the person that created that show really doesn't know many asian women probably then the way they wrote that person so like i mean it's a it's a good point what you said it's why are they why is it an extreme it's either extremely loud or incredibly quiet yeah stereotypes no one's taking the time and effort to like create someone that's fully formed which i'm sure you'll talk about in the boys christina (laughs) (laughs) oh oh i will i will um yeah i mean i i I definitely think it's that. I think it's two sides of a two opposite sides of the same coin in that sense. It's like the stereotype of a black woman, the extreme, especially in a comedy, the extreme version of the stereotype of a black woman is someone very loud and like quote unquote sassy. And you see that version, and then it's like, okay, well now we have an Asian character because we're super diverse, so we're gonna have a we're gonna have one black character, and then yo guys, we're gonna throw in an Asian character. They didn't even ask for that. We just put that in there. Um, but then in order to justify that, it's gonna be like, but they're going to be completely silent. 
And I think, it again, it's really interesting. Pitch Perfect is a good example because there's no explanation for it. Like I talked about Ben mm-hmm. at the beginning as like, it, there's that thin veneer of like, well, this is why Ben doesn't speak. He's a ghost. Only one character can hear and translate for him. But with regards to um, Lily in Pitch Perfect, they don't tell you why. She's just a fucking weird character. But when you put her in context of everything else, it's so odd. Especially because like, Again, for someone who's a singer, why is her voice so low? Like, she clearly has the ability to project, so it's even odder and makes even less sense that she doesn't speak. You know what I also noticed about, like, Asian characters specifically? I, and it kind of goes in hand with, the, like, the silencing part of them. Um, they're often shown in TV, movies, whatever. They're shown as being emotionless a lot of the time. And, like, I think that kind of plays into it because it's almost like, I don't know, like, they're almost treated like robots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no other way to, like, I I'm, I don't think any of us pick this. Ex Machina is, like, an example of, like, where she literally is, like, an AI, I guess, robot type thing. She kind of falls into that same, like, trope of being, like, the quintessential Asian in media where like she's shown as emotionless and she doesn't really speak and so like i it like almost like you take that one trope and you apply it to everywhere and it's the same thing it's like they go together like that and but it doesn't really make sense you know what i mean like when you actually know people like specifically weird characters i'm gonna say normally in like a broad sense they're not quiet people and the fact that you make lily quiet Mm -hmm. but also weird is it Again, weird choice, and that's not something you normally see. And like, why was that choice made for that specific movie? Those are my thoughts. <laughs> it's like a waste of a character, really. They could have done so much with it. I don't think they did in the other two movies because they later try to make it a military propaganda movie, which was wild. Look that up on the interwebs. It's yeah. incredibly insane. Yeah, the other two movies, it's much of the same. Her character has really no growth. Um, the only character that kind of gets any outside of actually you know what i get the pitch perfect i really like the first one but thinking back on it now the characters with the most amount of growth are anna kendrick fat amy or patricia um anna cam and the, the two other white girls the the redhead and the blonde that were like friends because esther dean the best singer on it has a very problematic first movie and then again is, is just kind of in the second and third to be the one black character even though she's excellent such a shame so underutilized um and then, yeah, Lily, Lily's character says the exact same way. She's just sort of like a punchline. Nat, what's your example of this trope? So this one was a bit hard for me. I thought I was going to go with something that was in the thread. I ended up not doing that. Um, my initial pick was actually going to be Buffy as much as I said I wasn't going to do it. I would have loved that. But I do think as I dug deeper into the Buffy stuff and I wrote the notes, um, there were bigger issues that go beyond silencing of the shrew, which I would rather talk about in a different episode about all those issues and specifically about all of Whedonverse. I think it's all connected. Although, But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> one thing I think we could talk about there is where we've gotten to now. You can simply just pick the same thing multiple times as I did last week without realizing Listen, it. I don't want to exhaust the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked something different. And actually what I picked is something I think tries, not not like purposely tries, but does counter the silencing of the shrew slightly. Um, I picked Lane Kim oh. from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted specifically to go for an Asian character because I do think that's, that's the, the most common um, 
trope that you see when they are silenced. Um, and Lane really does counter that. She's probably the first Asian character I've ever seen that has like an actual personality on a TV show, especially, which like, like from, from a certain time period is what I'm saying. So like, yeah, (laughs) because like, I felt like, and we've talked about this before, how like the nineties seemed to do really well for like black shows, but then like the two thousands came along and like everything was gone. And I feel like there was not a lot for me to watch on TV that I could relate to other than Buffy and even then there weren't really very many women of color on that show so that's not the point <laughs> the point is if you have not watched Gilmore Girls which at this point it has been a long freaking time please watch it um it's I mean but I'm of the opinion I, I I actually really enjoyed Gilmore Girls if you haven't watched it by now you don't need to watch it I mean I guess that's true I think I I do think it's like a certain type of show <laughs> So, like, if you're into, the show is basically a very American small town, cons- It's I guess it's considered a comedy drama type of show um, about a mom and her daughter, her daughter who she had when she was probably, what, 17 or something like that. Um, but it, this shows them many years later when they've, they're back, they're, well, they're living in Stars Hollow where Lorelai, the mom, grew up um, with her very... <laughs> Very smart, bookish daughter, Rory. The whole show is about them, their relationships, their drama, whatever. But there are a bunch of side characters which you kind of fall in love with. One of the big ones, which I'm sure everybody knows, is Suki, 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 who is played by Melissa McCarthy. There's a lot of side characters on the show who you who you really develop like uh, this, like, you know, whatever, your relationship with them watching the show. And you really fall in love with them. And Lane Kim is one of those people. She's the best friend of Rory. You meet her when they're still in high school. She is not your typical, like, Asian girl that you see on TV. She's not quiet. She's not very, like, and, like, I hate to word it this way, she's not seen as, like, the good Asian or, like, the obedient Asian where she's, like, always listening to her mom, which is, like, I think that's why I related to her more. She's very rebellious and, like, it wasn't just about her like countering her culture. It was more about this is just her personality. <laughs> and I think that was done really well on the show. Like she really has a strong personality. She loves music. You definitely see that throughout the thing. She has her own band. You see her practicing in in the garage. Her mom is like an antique stealer and she's like her whole life is like such a fascinating piece. But this show did it really well, despite I do not think there were any Asian writers. Uh, I tried looking, I couldn't find any. The creator is definitely white. But where this show fails is at some point during the seven years the show was running, Lane starts to take more of a backseat. <laughs> And where it could have, yeah, pretty much season, season, I mean, like, she pops up every once in a while over and over again, but, like, it really, like, devolved her character, which really, really sucks, because it's almost like she went from being this, like, really vibrant, very, like, full character to eventually being silenced and not physically silenced in the sense of like like her character was written as silent it was more like hey we're just gonna replace her with this other white best friend paris and listen (laughs) i love paris (laughs) however we could have still had lane and her story could have been better (laughs) and i'm still mad about it to this day i feel like she was done wrong by this show (laughs) and even when the show came back with its what four episode the year in gilmore girls the year in Gilmore Girls, right? And it, year in life, it went by season. Lane still brought back in 
nothing. It was nothing. It, I hated it. <laughs> it showed her like settled, not the person she was before. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like I felt like her actual character had been removed from Lane herself. And it, I don't know, it was it was sad because like it started so strong for Lane. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, given that like episodes are written by different people, I wonder in the writer's room where where they decided to be like, okay, we're going to be cutting out all of Stars Hollow and focusing more on Paris. And like, even the year in the life, I think Lane kind of existed for the Lorelai, Lori storyline. So it was, I mean, you could argue like there wasn't enough time to focus on everything, but given you brought Suki in for like XYZ, Suki at the last possible second and like showed that she's still doing what she loves and like selling at her job, but you've just made, like, I can't, I can't remember any specific moment of lane in the in the four episode yeah. like i don't i can't yeah. i can't even picture at a time she was on the screen it was like a written silence like it like, like they wrote her out basically of the show even like the the main show as well because like you get like so much from her life in the beginning where you find out about like how strict her family is how religious her mom is you find out about her mom trying to set her up with a boy like it's it like it's so involved you actually learn where her family from is in south korea she's not just general asian like it's like they pinpoint like her exact origins what her family is like the dynamics and they could have still continued to do something with that throughout the show i don't think it just stops after she gets married settles down has a kid like come on like that's a very white small town like experience for her to have which would be interesting then to explore more because that was a very interesting choice not interesting i don't like that choice and it was like the like was she was she too much for the show and they were like we're just gonna like write her out is that the method this is where i don't know that i this is where i'm torn i agree with you fully on everything about the lane i think we could have literally an entire episode just about gilmore girls and all the things that they did wrong for how particularly for how like influential i guess how that show was like i loved it i loved it and now i go back and i'm like what the fuck but i loved like i get it but where i think i most disagree is like i get what you're saying but i feel like that's almost an entirely different trope like i think like this is more specifically about like why is it so common to write again women of color but specifically usually asian women as being unable to as not being able to communicate as being silenced in the sea of white people lane wasn't ever like that they just eventually just slowly started to write her out they just changed her character i think that's almost like a different thing that's happening but that's what i said it's the opposite of silencing (laughs) like that's how i was like like, the point of the the point of the episode with so many examples is to talk about that which is where like whatever you made your choice and like i get it but i'm like (laughs) "Mm." but like it's almost like not the point i almost want to talk about this separately but at the same time you picked it i get what you're doing i get how she like counters it but i think this is for me at least the interpretation is that this is specifically looking at it from when they write from the very beginning like they could have written lane as a shy character who who didn't and then like i would get it but now i'm like i like like i said i get what you're going for but we have got so many examples of asian characters or just again women of color characters that are just written as like silent from the beginning and they're just there in the background lane almost feels like an entirely elaine is an an episode of her own of how they they did it so well at the beginning and then failed but they kind of turned her into that that's the thing like it started off strong and then they turned her into that does that not count as part of it 
I no, I don't even think it doesn't count. I just don't think that they turned her into that. I think they just phase her out. Where the idea with a lot of these characters is they're there. They just for some reason don't. I mean, you could say that in the reunion, she's there and doesn't really have a purpose other than to be like, oh, I'm still living in this mm-hmm. town. I'm still here. She takes over her mom's antique shop or something, right? I can tell you because uh, yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like again, I I just think it's a different thing that happened to Lane. It's like a unique thing you can talk about because how do you go from doing it well to failing? Like, I think a lot of what's happening here is there's a stereotype of what women of color are or what, or how you want them mm-hmm. to be or how you expect them to be. Like, a lot of these characters are often written by men, so you can't take out the idea of, like, how they, almost how they fetishize to a certain extent these characters, whether it's sexual or not, like, the way they envision them. I think you can pull a lot of it out of it. I think you can pull a lot from the white women that write these characters. I think you can pull a lot out of it. But for Lane Kim in particular, I would almost want to talk about how did you start well and then fuck up so badly? Like what happened that you decided to, to, to focus on Paris and then write out Lane almost entirely? I think it also shows like a change in writing too. Like I think that's where it comes like this is where I was like I feel like her complete character was completely erased and replaced with a totally different one. Like it's not her. And so like when you see that I, like the only conclusion I can come to is that somebody else is writing this. It's not like the same writers originally. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it was more and like who are those writers and do they have or like why did they choose to like remove a character like i don't i don't think it's as simple as phasing it out for this one that and yeah that's, that's, me. that's super fair like at some point they made a choice i'm just like like speaking of the thread all the examples would you say were in the last 10 years in that thread and then ultimately gilmore girls was around for that long so it's morphed into that time period where that's what they do i think kill bill was before and kill bill definitely had some yeah kill bill there are some of them a lot of them are newer but i think maybe a lot of them are newer is because the there's like crumbs now yeah. of Asian representation coming in and this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, a lot of times it's just women of color. So there are also like a fair number of examples of like black women that deal with something similar. That's just me giving my opinion on, on your pick. That's the conversation being like, mm, disagreement. I mean, mm. Silencing I think can happen later on in a story. It doesn't have to always, but I get like, I don't think she has a silencing later on in the story. I don't think it's ever written that she's silenced. I think they just change her character. Like, I think just think it's something different. Like another good example is Tina Ko and Chang in Glee, who is barely talks at all for the first few seasons that she's in there because she has a, a stutter that she fakes. And that's their like veneer of this is why Tina doesn't talk. Like I like I like it's more of those or like there's um, Deathstrike in x-men who is this asian villain almost she's like a, she's like the opposite of wolverine but she has kind of like similar powers to him i don't think she has one line the whole movie that she's in maybe maybe she has a couple but like she literally exists there to be the like exotic villain who never ever speaks and i think what happens with lane kim is egregious as fuck but I just don't think it fit for me. It just doesn't fit this trope. And then it's hard to say that it even fits it as a counter because then they just fuck her up. Like I could see how the season one Lane Kim is actually a counter to this of like, this is how you do an Asian character. Well, it's almost soiled by the fact that they absolutely obliterate her character after that season and then end up replacing her with Paris. I just don't think there's ever an example where it, she's fitting into what this is considered, but that's my opinion on it. Like whatever. But like, it's such a small, pool of asian actresses in like tv and movies so like i feel like a lot of it does go hand in hand no matter what like there's just like there's something 
there's a thread that kind of connects all of it and like maybe it doesn't go with this then i don't know that's just what i'm saying about it that's where i'm coming from take your pick uh so coming back to this my big thing and i'm fully using this as an excuse to complain about the boys like oh can let me tell you about how i could complain about the boys because i watched season one of the boys and i was like do i like this maybe i can't tell and as time went on as i ruminated on it as i sat on the boys and i thought about it i realized no i don't and it's unfortunate because there's things of the boys that are a very like well-made tv show but there are things about it that are fucking terrible and it goes all the way back to the comic book and this example that started this thread and that led to this character sort of being highlighted is really why i don't like the boys and why i don't like this character or why i don't like what they do with this character uh the like brief story of the boys is that superheroes are super common they're basically corporate shills like cities pay to have a superhero who represents them and who protects their city and there's a company that like represents all the superheroes so it's like superheroes but with extra capitalism um and most of the superheroes are either incompetent or outright evil or a special mix of both particularly their version of like the justice league so what ends up erupting are the boys a team of vigilantes against the superheroes who want to defeat the superheroes but because the comic book is written by fuck garth enos um it's a very like parody satire of it like i think garth enos is kind of known for not really liking the standard superhero trope so he writes these very dark very over the top gory and air quotes around satirical comic books. And the boys very much fits into that. It's very much a satire of the idea of Superman and Captain America and Batman and all that shit. And in the core group of vigilantes, it's a bunch of dudes. And this one character whose actual name is Kimoko, who's this Asian woman, her code name, her like name on the show is literally, and in the comic books is literally the female. Mm. That is her name. That is what they refer to her as. And you get the idea of, I think if you believe that these comic books are satire, it's a joke about how there's always just the one woman. So she's the female. And that's who Kimoko is supposed to represent. But guess what? It's not satire if you just use all of the tropes the main thing does. You just use them from the angle of I hate everyone. Like you're not satirizing anything. You're falling onto all the same tropes they do. You're not coming at this from a point of like, oh, we need to deconstruct it. We need to make it better. You just, you're just being the same as them. You're just being way more violent about it. And that's not that interesting. And Kimoko is such a great character for this because in the group of vigilantes, I think you can hate all of them. There is one character who is Kimoko's sort of like protector slash love interest. Very weird. Um, he's like a bombs expert. Uh, he's a little bit interesting for sure. He's one of the more enjoyable characters on the show. But at the end of the day, like these people that are supposed to be vigilantes, they're so selfish and they're such dicks that you can't actually like them. I'm like, I'm sorry that you're entitled. Like you have a point here, but you're regular people trying to take on these superheroes. You're just fucking boring. But then you get to Komoko and Komoko has been up until the point at the start of the show. She's been in lo locked in a cage. She's been experimented on. Komoko has this entire tragic backstory that she herself does not get to tell. They find her in this cage and they they see her she ends up like attacking some people she ends up beating some asses because again it's that very like it fits into that very asian stereotype for women's of like they know martial arts but they don't speak <laughs> um and you see her and she's kind of wild and crazy and she's the most interesting person for sure on the show and on the team specifically of like how did she get here what happened why her why are they keeping her in the cage why are they torturing her even though you're like what the fuck is going on and she never speaks 
there is one character she communicates with. Again, it's that bomb, her protector slash love interest, that bomb guy. Um, and he can barely talk to her either. He like interprets through looking into her eyes. Like it's such nonsense. It, it, it's truly nonsense. And that's, that. there you go. That's the satire. That's the play. That's the trope of regular fucking superheroes. It's the exact same thing they do to women, particularly Asian women in regular superhero comic books. But we're doing it from the place of we hate that. So it's somehow better. We're not going to challenge the trope. We're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to make Komoko actually the loudest person in the room. She's just going to fit every single Asian stereotype we can get in there of her. And she's going to be silent the whole time. And this other guy, he's going to be her voice. And it's infuriating because it's like seeing potential and then seeing it just be shat all over. And I think that represents the boys entirely. I could not watch the second season at all because I'm still... I'm just fucking mad about it. I'm mad about it. And this represents exactly why. Do you think they're going to change it for the second season? Or no? Second season's already out, but I don't think that they did. Because I feel like if Komoko finally spoke, we would see some gifts of it. I thought, was aren't there three seasons out? The third season is confirmed. Jensen Eckel is, is going to be it. And they're going to, again, right. in terms of this not being satire, he's playing a character that should not exist. This was, mm -hmm. the, the whole series is written by a white man that... Again, he's really resting on his laurels of the whole satire thing. His fan base is other white dudes that love how violent the story is and think that's somehow new and interesting. He's not telling stories in a different way. He's just like, oh, but what if superheroes were evil? And it's like, that's what villains are. Like, that exists. You can tell this, you know, you can do what Galaxy Quest does. Like, you can satirize something from a place of love for it and you can satirize it well and you can play on the idea of tropes. Like, I think Sigourney, like, even though this is back to white women, I think Sigourney Weaver's character in Galaxy Quest is a really interesting way to comment on how women are treated in, in things like Star Trek and science fiction. Kumoko is not an interesting conversation on anything. She is exactly what you would expect to see in the Avengers. I, thinking on this now, I can't think of an example from Avengers or Marvel of a character that fits into this trope, but I'm one million percent positive there is one. I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I'd be like, the oh, it's her. Woman. Oh, um... Guardians of the Galaxy, this, the one oh, where yeah, yeah. she talks. She, I guess she talks, but she's quiet-ish. She's very quiet and, and unspoken, and she interprets mm -hmm. things differently. and Through emotions or whatever. She's an empath species. Yeah. The only I know about the boys is that Chase Crawford is in it, and like he hasn't been in anything since Gossip Girl, to my knowledge. And that's the extent of the boys. It's one of those things where I realized, you know what? Don't don't watch it. Like, if you watch it and you like it, whatever. But be aware of what it's like. And it, I think it's that thing where... I think the show is better than the comic books in that it's a little bit better at being a satire, but it still doesn't really understand. To satirize something, you have to not do... You, you can't be as problematic as the original thing. Like, mm -hmm. regular comic books have this problem where it only had, like, it'll be a group of nine men and there'll be one woman. And they'll be like, boom, diversity. You can't do the exact same thing and I mean, then call it satire. Anything. Also, if you're just doing the exact, like... Yeah. I think also what really bothered me about this, I watched the first season of The Boys. Uh, I have not watched the second season because I was just kind of meh about it. Yeah. But, um, what's her name? The Asian character, Kamiko? Kamiko. Or the female. Kimiko. The female. When I first saw her, like, she's shown as, like, savage and, like, she's, like, really dirty and everything. And it, like, honestly, it, when I watched it, I was like, this looks very familiar. <laughs> like, as in, I've seen this before and I don't like where it's going. And it's just, like, 
like even like the the way the character is portrayed even like within that first like five minutes you're kind of terrified of her and you're just like i don't understand why you decided to make this choice and it would be even worse if it was like with a black character which has been done in buffy as well we know (laughs) um but yeah like it's just like i don't know like it's just like a such a what are you trying to say about this person like the fact that being experimented on and um being trapped in a cage would do this to like an asian woman would would the same thing happen like i would want to see what they would do with like a white man in the same situation would he be like this or is this just their (laughs) commentary traumatic events specifically women of color like they cannot like they're not built for survival the same way like fuck y'all no yeah it's one of that thing where it's like again they present her as a badass ultimately like in terms of in a fight um Mm -hmm. she can hold her own so if she can why did all these things happen to her first of all like she was still locked up like you know she's something to be scared of but it it just fits an idea of like okay so she can do martial arts but she can't speak and is shy to a certain extent like it, it it feels very fetishized she feels like a wet dream she can kick ass you know, and she can take names, but you don't have to listen to her nagging. Like, that's almost what it comes down to sometimes with her. And it's so frustrating because, again, she's so interesting. And I, I'm trying to think back of it, and I'm sure they explain why she doesn't speak. But I think you might have to just assume she doesn't because she's traumatized. And again, like, like savage, you know what I mean? Like, oh, she doesn't speak. Yeah. She can't. And, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, you know when you hear those stories about, like kids that have been found in basements and like have been like this i shouldn't be laughing about this it's like a real thing you're like man isn't that fucking funny (laughs) um but like they find them and they're like kind of like a little bit wild but i'm like those are children like and if they were treated that way from like birth that does make sense like they weren't taught to read and stuff like that like but this is like a woman who's like I don't, I don't even know how old she is i'm i have the wiki open because i'm realizing now i'm like they just they, again they don't do her right so i have to pull up the wiki to learn more about her she grew up with parents and a brother yeah so like this is a woman who had a normal life essentially until a certain point it's not like she would just forget all that and i get like trauma does silence people sometimes that does happen but the way she's portrayed is beyond that right like it's just like she can't be one thing it's and like a whole other level to me is weak storytelling and what i hope for her is that this has been a long con this whole time and she's been slowly getting information by watching all the people and not voicing her opinion and then she's gonna rampage and kill them all and she's gonna be the president of this here united states i'm assuming it's in the <laughs> um, <laughs> You have really high I, hopes for this I, one. Where's the female the best? You haven't even seen the show, and you're like, I love Kumiko. Listen, if she's the only woman there, she's better than every other person on the show so far, based on my not zero incorrect. knowledge. But I stand by this here United States. Is it take place in the United States of America? Okay. Yeah, cool. it's very but much filmed like in filmed in Toronto. As they all are. Toronto is the real New York, the as Queen's we know. Queen's Gambit is also yeah. filmed in Ontario. Cambridge. Just claim these shows as our own. We're definitely going to see a lot more shows filmed in Ontario when we're not in quarantine anymore in America. All of America still is. So that comes out. It just gets me so mad. I get so steamed up because I think Garthiness also wrote Preacher. And I think Preacher has a lot of similar problems as well. But everybody, cult classic, everybody loves him. White men are Did all about it. Preacher? I, I did I, not know that. I think so. Because I feel like I remember being really mad for because these things go together. I read the Preacher comics and yeah, I you wrote Preacher. 
When you said villains, I thought of the Ishwab Vicious and like how she handled villains and their traumatic near-death experiences. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I can see where... Uh... Did it yeah. much better. <laughs> it, it just goes... I think we're in terms of like maybe like back to the idea of like things going hand in hand. Um, It's like... Again, you start off with, you're just a white dude that loves violence. Stop trying to pretend that it's more than that. Because honestly, the pretense that it's more than that is actually what's kind of causing the problem here. Um, you were like, I don't like these goody-goody stories about superheroes, even though superheroes are rooted in the idea of, like, saviors for a reason. So I, like, get so mad. I get so mad at this because I'm like, you could satirize superheroes so well. They are ripe for it. They are ready to go. But every time they do, they hear satire and they go super dark. And it's like not from a place of, oh, I love comic books and I think there's a story to tell here. It's I actually low key hate that comic books have heroes. You know, I don't want people to be good. I want them to inherently be bad. And so you create something like The Boys and you have an opportunity to talk about the fact that like superheroes are very commercial. What a timely comment to have. You can write something really good here. And I'm even more annoyed because I went to read the comics after I watched the show to try to like form my opinion and it made me so much worse matter because the comics are a million times worse. Um, oh, I believe somebody, that. And then there were comments on the comics that were like, oh, this is such a better adaptation of the Umbrella Academy. And that really got me going because you know how I feel about the Umbrella Academy significantly improved. Uh, that's a much better attempt at even trying to be a satire, even though it's not. I also, like, what I really hate about this is when I first watched it, I really enjoyed the concept because it showed, I thought it was going to be like, this is what happens to the victims or the collateral damage and stuff like that. And I thought it was going to be that. And it, it kind of is, but it's more about the violence. Like, it's... It's like, as soon as they bring Carl Urban in, you're like, well, this is going to go to shit. <laughs> it's a white man. It's a white male violence fantasy under the pretense of being satirical. And it's not, quite frankly, it's not intelligent enough for it. But it's even worse because it, it literally, you're, he's not, I'm going to call this on Garth Ennis and I'm going to call it on everybody that makes a show. You're not self-aware enough about your own privilege and the stories you're reading to make this interesting because Kimiko absolutely should be an interesting character. Take a Lane Kim personality and put it on someone like Kimiko, you know, of someone who yeah. is loud and knows what they want and can speak up for themselves and doesn't fall into these tropes of how women in comic books and then later on specifically Asian women in comic books are seen. And this character, we're done. She, she, ends, she ends everything going on season one. We don't need to go through all this nonsense. She's got covered. She just could be such a much more interesting story if you actually let her speak. And the idea that, by the way, his name is Frenchie. Uh, the idea that Frenchie is is her is her voice. It's pointless. Like he he's also her love interest. Like you can't trust that. She has nothing of her own. And I, I get so mad. Also, the way they introduce Frenchie, I feel like if I recall, like it feels like a very irresponsible choice to be one of her translators you know what i mean like it was just like this man does not know how to respect women <laughs> none of them do that's another thing in its attempt to show how misogynistic all these men are it's just misogynistic like you're just being sexist you're not making a commentary on the sexism you are simply being sexist i think the fact that her name is the female that's the core of it she has no name we're calling her kamiko because we know she's called kamiko because I'm looking at it online. In the show, she is referred to as the female. In the comic book, she is the female. She doesn't even have a name. That's how, that's the level of silence she is. It's wild to me. But, he, but you're a satire. Fuck off. 
Come at me, Garth Enos well, nerd like, fans. You so you mentioned that they're basically all these superheroes are influencers, right? Like an Instagram influencer. Oh my god, that's such, such a, a YouTuber. That's such a great fucking term for it. They're, they're you're right. They're influencers. That's when you and like uh, who's the number one influencer? It's women. Why would you're telling me? So you're so you're gonna tell me there's no women superheroes who already can cater to their audience with their skill set of being an influencer? That's a missed opportunity all over the place you're absolutely correct but to provide some extra context she's the only female character in the group of vigilantes how interesting there are would it have been for her to be a famous influencer and then turn sides and be a vigilante hello i that i i would love to see that i think you should write this instead <laughs> oh, based on my it is worth mentioning, YouTube on the superhero on the superhero side there are a small handful okay. of female characters um but again, it's also that same idea. Like, it's trying to parody it. So there's really only one woman. So there's, like, a parody of Wonder Woman. And when the new, um, younger, white, blonde, white woman joins the league, the Wonder Woman parody, who's, like, getting a little bit older and who's an absolute drunk, is, like, this is the sign that she's on her way out. So, like, there's elements there. Again, the show does this better than the comic book does because the comic book truly... It's like the suggestion that a he's ever met a woman in his real life. You know what I mean? It's the hint, the hint of a woman. It's like white. Um, it's like the Lacroix of women. Like that's the influence that's there. The show is a little bit better about it, but it's still not great. Uh, the show also they harp a little bit more on the whole like Christianity side of it. So like she's actually like a religious influencer. It's it's very like pandering to the south, and you're right. Influencer is totally the right word for it. Uh, my superhero influencer story coming out 2022. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. It's gonna be a romance. Obviously, I love it. I'd read it. Uh, copyright Stephanie McGrath. <laughs> Don't steal my ideas. <laughs> so that's just some a couple of examples. There's so many more examples that are listed on this thread. Another one, again, the one from Buffy. I think there's two great options there, but the main one is definitely. The original Slayer, because this is back in like cave. Like she, she literally, she's primitive. She's prehistoric, so she can't speak at all. I don't know that Kendra would count because she does interact with the main character, so I don't think she would fully count. But she is portrayed as a as a quieter character for sure. There's an example from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Uh, she's a Latina woman. She's works in the office, the law office. I don't think she genuinely speaks for two full seasons. It's like a running joke that she doesn't speak. And then at the, in the third season, they're like, okay, maybe we'll give her a line. Uh, Lucy Liu's character in Kill Bill. Going even not just North American uh, content, the movie The Platform has a young, actually has two characters, uh, a young girl and the woman, the young girl's mother, who is this actress. She is, again, a badass that absolutely, she kills everybody on the, trying to find her daughter. She's Filipina. She doesn't speak a single word. Two hours later. Typically, the representation of it seems to be mostly on women. It seems to be like the highest priority that of examples that can be found are Asian women. But there's a lot of black women. There's a lot of indigenous women. Um, and then there's also people that are not women, but are of other races. I think the core of it is that this is not happening to white men. And it's often not happening to white women. Um, so that was this. Uh, again, we sort of came up with a concept. I, then what do you, how are we going to wrap this up? How There's no end in closure for this. It sucks that this trope exists. It's going to keep existing. Here's a great example. I'm going to be really more uh, aware of this when I'm watching my, my, my media out in the world right now. 
it was definitely really great to have a name for it. And again, the name for this is credited to it's F-A-A-T-I, The Street. I'm literally looking at it, spelling it wrong. On Twitter, highly recommend taking a look through it. Like related to all this, I want to find the original one, like the original silenced true. <laughs> and I want to see if that's just what people expected and that's just what they keep writing. Like, I want to know, like, what, what was the example they wrote from? I'm sure if you go back far enough in movies, like what, there's probably some like, Hidden tiger, crouching dragon, kind of, that's the opposite. Uh, there's probably some example of that in some remake. And again, it's like that first, like, this is what we think of, of Asian people. And then it started. And now that was the, that was the fucking blueprint. That was the fucked mm -hmm. up blueprint that they started with. And now. Because like, I feel like there's like this like running thing of like, also kind of related. Um, all Asians are the same. Like, that's, like, a common misconception. Like, people, like, everybody's default for Asian is Chinese or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's very common. And I'm like, this. I feel like this came from something. And it can't just be that they look similar because they don't. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning, too. I realize now, even seeing Asian a lot, mostly East Asian. Yeah. But that's just because, yeah. but also partly because there's, like, even less representation of South Asian people in media in general. It's true. So like, and it is very painful. Yeah. They literally looked at the whole <laughs> continent and went mm, the closest to white. Uh, but hilariously, tons of South Asian <laughs> representation in Bollywood, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like most, like, cause that's like the, like the top media pretty much like any, like that's the, the thing producing the most media. So ironically, there are more brown people in media. It's just not. It's not Western media. Um, it's just not Western media. Literally hundreds of Bollywood movies coming out every single day somehow. Somehow. I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, but also let us know your thoughts because I think an interesting conversation is brought up today is do you think Lane Kim fits into this or not. I could easily be wrong. I'm taking a very literal interpretation of this. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Like, let's have this conversation. Okay. Not to like, I think she fits into a mold that a lot of Asian people do in media. That's it. <laughs> and I think silencing, silencing of the shoe, I think is part of that. Maybe I'm going a bit too broad. So it's like, it's like if you had like a cake mold, you know, of like a really elaborate cake mold. Silencing of the Shrew would be like one section of the cake mold. Yes. Right? And then Lane Kim fits one into the broader in the muffin cake tin. One, one, one muffin in the muffin. Boom. Love it. What a... <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but the whiteness of the sentence, one muffin in the white in the muffin tin, is just like I feel it immediately and it feels hilarious to end on that. And I think we should. I think we should. It's what... Well, just one muffin in the muffin tin. I like that because it goes with so many things, you know? <laughs> Does it? Like, in a media in a media sense, you know? One muffin in a muffin tin. I could have said one cupcake in the cupcake tin. One egg white No, cupcake. you had... You're ruining it. You had it. You had it with one muffin in a muffin tin. I don't know if that spread it from your brain or if you already knew it, but one muffin in a muffin tin, boom. <laughs> I made that up myself. And, and Lane... <laughs> Credit to me. Again, copyright Stephanie McGrath, 2020. Lane Kim was like the whole bakery and the silencing of the shrew is just one muffin in the muffin tin. Oh my God, that's the name of your comic, your superhero comic that you write. One muffin, one muffin, in, muffin, in, muffin in the muffin tin. <laughs> Can you imagine a superhero comic called one muffin in the muffin tin? Yes. Meanwhile, I will tell you, it does sound like a romance novel. I absolutely- One muffin. One, one muffin in the muffin, muffin tin, tin written by Stephanie Mick Eilish because you'd have to change your name. 
No way. I would do my full should, should, my no, real should name. No, McGee. You should just do McGee. Oh, Steph McGee. SK McGee. Anyways, I'm doing NaNoWriMo. Haven't written a thing. <laughs> well, now, but, but now you have a plot. Now I have an idea. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, Twitter, Instagram, EatsCast. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Please stand up for, stand up for Nat or don't stand up for me. I love when people agree with me. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I know that that works against me because then you don't want to agree with me because I'll just be smug about it. And I'm sorry. I can't change that about myself. I've tried. Uh, if you want to find us on Pinterest for some reason, we are everyone and their sister pod. I love the look Steph gives me every time I say it. You know what you find on Pinterest? Pictures of one muffin in a muffin. <laughs> I would love for you to pin that. And also on Instagram, I just want what, one muffin. Can we make the icon for this episode for an inexplicable reason? A muffin tin with one muffin. Not get baking. <laughs> and then take a, a picture we're losing our minds i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the reins and saying thank you for listening all right bye bye, bye. i am i have a high line of people i just realized i took a screenshot about a dylan o'brien blind that i forgot to send to our main listeners shanice and marina about so i'm gonna do that maybe when they bug me on slack about me this specific moment in time so i know that they listen to this